phase two, rules of engagement, three-part series. I want to just start by fast-forwarding ahead next week. Next week, my wife will get 15 minutes unplugged, anything she wants to say about conflict resolution within the context of a marriage. I promise you, if you want the dirt on me, be here. And then not only that, invite your other friends so they can hear the dirt too, amen? So all I'm asking is, is that you just pray in advance for that. But then here's the flip side. I get the final say. I get 15 minutes too uh, afterwards. So that'll be part three. But really, this whole series is about getting us uh, in, engaged, okay, with conflict. How do we engage conflict properly? How do we deal with uh, things that aren't right? How do we deal with authority, which we're going to touch on today? How do we live out the godly life? How do we turn the other cheek uh, in certain situations, but resist evil, as the Bible says in the book of James, as well. Those were the things we touched on last week. I challenge you to check out the podcast on our website if you missed it. But this series, I believe God wants to position us uh, for greater outcomes. Amen? So part two of rules of engagement. I want to I say this first off, and, and I, I want to say it exactly as I wrote it. It says, any area you fear is an area that owns you. It's not under the cross. Any area you fear, any area that you fear owns you and it's not under the cross. You say, well, Ryan, what in the world does that have to do with authority? What does that have to do with honor? How does that mean uh, when I engage authority, what in the world does that exactly mean? Well, understand in Psalm 91, it says in Psalm 91, there is a promise of protection under his authority. Read Psalm 91. That's a, that's, a, that's a scripture that I stand on. I pray Anybody pray that over their kids, the hedge of protection over their kids? Check out Psalm 91. But authority is what we're touching on today and how to engage that. So here's our master text in Romans. 13th chapter, starting with verse 1. And as I read it, I want you, I want you to, to, to think about how you feel when I read you this verse. I think you, I'll explain it in just a second, but Let's put that verse up there. Romans 13, chapter 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, here's the question. When you uh, engage that verse, do you feel scared? Does the idea of submission to authority scare you? I can imagine that some of you have been through situations in life where you have seen abusive leadership. You've had leadership that is taking advantage of you. You've been in situations where you simply don't trust. Uh, perhaps you've had uh, situations where you've created the conflict and it's all on you. And that leader did not speak the truth in love, but they spoke the truth, but it wasn't in love. Amen. So uh, in those situations, when we talk about authority, what does that mean? How do I honor my boss respectfully? How do I honor my pastor respectfully? How does your pastor honor you respectfully? How do I live out this authority in life? Very, very important to the Lord that we understand these concepts. So here's the thing. Why do people reject authority? Really three reasons. One, first one, we all want to run the show. I said, we all want to run the show. And that's what Lucifer wanted to do. He wanted to run the show, right? Guess what? He wasn't the authority. The Lord is the ultimate authority. So that's the first one. The other one is, again, the abusive uh, leadership that sometimes we've all encountered in life. And then I would say the third one, the third one is that bottom line is we think 
Now get real with this. We think we know better. I mean, case in point, how many of you on Monday morning after a Packer loss second guess what Mike McCarthy did in fourth and six? Hello? Now, what has happened here in this town, and I'm just going to shoot it straight, is that we have a bunch of Monday morning quarterbacks on everything. We should do this. Now, I'm not saying that you, you're, not, you're entitled to your opinion, but would you understand that there's a way to have your opinion, the way you articulate it, that makes all the difference in the world on how you get your point across. And so uh, this culture here, it, it, while this is awesome and we celebrate it and it's a wonderful day, also understand, too, that our identity here, if we're honest, has always been about the Green Bay Packers. I want you to understand that, that it's, this isn't who we are. It's, it's a sport. It's, it's cool. It drives the economy in many, many ways. But at the end of the day, the Packers aren't God, right? We know that. Okay? So, but we treat this thing with esteem. We, we look at the Packers and go, oh, you know. Uh, but here's what I want you to understand is a critical spirit is a rebellious spirit and you will not receive, I'm going to repeat this, you will not receive blessing from God if you operate in that spirit. This is really good preaching. I mean, really, really good, tough in your faith. I had a friend of mine say, I actually had two friends say, you know, you don't apologize for beating too tough last week. He said, actually, you weren't that tough. I said, okay, so do I need to bring it a little harder this week? You know, I do want to enjoy the party. I do want to get home so I can watch it. I don't want to get beat up on the way out the door. But okay, so what I believe God wants us to know from this message, understand authority, honor authority, and reap the rewards of honoring authority as we engage that authority. Real simple. That's exactly what we need to know today. Now, here's some truths from Christ followers that I believe that Christ followers, we need to be the head, not the tail. So when you honor you boss, your boss, you honor God. When you honor your spouse, you honor God. When you honor others, the least of these, you honor God. What in the world is honor? I think we have a warped sense of what honor really is. Now, last week, I told you that honor, sometimes you pick a fight. Sometimes you have to create conflict to get resolution. What I mean by fight is sometimes that place where we don't want to be peacekeepers or we want to be peacemakers, sometimes you have to say, that, I know this is going to be tough, but i got to pick a fight here. Let's talk. Sometimes you have to engage. But in the workplace, in, your, in a situation where your boss is saying it's a dictatorship and, and things are kind of going goofy, how do I do that? Good question. Now, since it's Super Bowl Sunday, and let's talk about that with authority. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I thought, you know, I was, I was gathering through YouTube, and I thought, you know, it's, how could I kind of tie this message in? Well, I found a video on YouTube, uh, and actually, it was a Bart Starr video uh, talking about his relationship with Vince Lombardi. And this is fascinating because in the, in the crux of it, as you watch it, you're going to see leadership principles and authority principles at work. And what I want you to remember is... How many Super Bowls did they win? Two. That's more than most. And so my point is, is that uh, winning attitudes can bring winning teams. And winning teams are a result of being under proper authority. Are you getting this? So let's show this video. The Green Bay Packers. 
Packers of the 1950s were one of the worst teams in the NFL, winning just 39 games throughout the decade. There was little reason to believe their destiny was about to change when they drafted a young quarterback out of Alabama named Brian Bartlett Starr. I didn't have a resume coming out of college. I was injured my last two years. I was lucky to be drafted. And if the basketball coach at the University of Alabama had not been a good friend of the personnel director of the Packers, I probably would not have been drafted at all. But in the 17th round, they, they took a chance on me. A rotating starter during his early years, Starr's initial snaps as the Packers' signal caller were anything but stellar. My first year to Bart Starr was an unknown quantity. Uh, to me, he was like methane gas, colorless, odorless, tasteless, virtually invisible. Good fortune fell on the town of Green Bay and Bart Starr with the arrival of head coach Vince Lombardi in 1959. When I came up as a rookie, it was 1959, it was Vince's first year, and Bart never had really established himself as a starting quarterback. And he didn't really establish himself as a starting quarterback under Vince until sometime in the second half of 1960. Vince used to get on Bart pretty good, you know, early, and I think... Vince had a way of learning who he could get into and who he couldn't. I had to earn his trust and respect during that first year he was there and actually into the second year. In fact, only one time in our nine years together did I ever ask for a meeting for a correction, if you will. And that was in practice when a tipped ball was intercepted and he chewed me out like you wouldn't believe. And I didn't say anything at the time, but after practice I asked to see him. And when we went in his office, I said, Coach, Many times in the past, you've chewed me out, and that's no problem. I grew up under a master sergeant, so I can take that. I said, would you please, if you want to chew me out, fine, but please do it here in private so that you don't diminish my ability to lead this team. We had the greatest relationship after that. I thought we weren't going to use the four pass for this thing. <laughs> With Starr calling the plays for Lombardi's offense, the two developed a symbiotic rapport. In the process, Green Bay went from 1950s laughingstock to the definitive NFL powerhouse of the 1960s. Bart was the perfect extension of Lombardi on the field. Lombardi trusted Bart with his offense. And uh, he was the only one he trusted with it. Starr validated Lombardi's trust with a precision passing style that was good enough to lead the NFL three times. But it was his poised leadership on the field that sets Star apart. I think the quality of a great leader, of a great quarterback, is being able to deliver when you have to. Anyone can perform when there's almost no pressure. But I think those who truly play the game respond best to a supreme challenge. The ultimate pressure player, Bart Starr is the NFL's all-time winningest quarterback, having led the Packers to five world titles, including a pair of MVP performances in Super Bowls one and two. Bart did not have the strongest of arms. He was as accurate up to 40 yards as any player that's ever played in the National Football League history, period. He was cool, he was analytical, and he threw 244 passes and games to determine titles without an interception. He played the game not with a spectacular flair. He was workmanlike in what he did. One of my favorite quotes is from William Jennings Bryan. And I think it sums up how I feel about my career when he said that destiny is not a matter of chance. It's a matter of choice. It is not something to be wished for. It is something to be attained. 
So there you go. You notice that Lombardi, now bosses, you need to hear this. Lombardi recognized he was dressing Bart Starr down publicly. Once Bart Starr took the initiative, took it on the field, and took him and asked him a simple question. Can we go behind closed doors and talk? He honored Lombardi that way, and Lombardi honored him. You see this. What was the result of that symbiotic relationship? Championships. If you want to win in life, this is a picture that you need to put right here. Because there are times when you are facing authority that that authority will chew you out, possibly belittle you, and tell you things you don't want to hear. And it's not always done in a vacuum perfect. Has anybody experienced this before? Okay? But his response to that is critical in how to lead up. Now, marital, marital authority is one that we're going to touch on a little bit next week, so I don't want to get into that. But we're also going to touch on how do I deal with uh, civic, civic authorities? What about the Hitlers of this world? Well, I'll tell you, if we don't resist evil, evil, we'd be speaking German today, probably. I don't know how to speak German, and no offense, I don't want to. I mean, it's, you know, but my point, not that there's anything wrong with that, right? But I know we're a very, you know, Scandinavian German, you know, Okay, I'm backtracking. Just erase that from the uh, podcast, please. Anyway, uh, the point being is, is that we are to resist evil. Uh, Here's the key point. All authority is from God, but not all authority is godly. All authority is from God, but not all authority is godly. And I think it's important to recognize that. You say, well, Ryan, how do I engage authority, be it a policeman, my congressman, how do I do that? Well, there's a process, and you came to the right place today. But let's start here with uh, Colossians 3. I want to read this verse. And I want to, for a second, I want to touch on workplace and, and how that works. Colossians 3, 23, it says, Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Now, I like to think this is title town. This is not entitlement town. This is title town, not entitlement town. That means that, uh, you know what? I, I, when I learned that the world doesn't owe me squat, things changed. When I realized that I don't have to overreact to every situation. You know, there's an old saying, 90% of life, 90% of life. Actually, let me get this right because i got to think this through. But 10% is your reaction to the other 90%. Your destiny hinges on how you handle the things that come your way. Everything is about attitude and how you honor people and honor authority. I'm going to give you some scriptural things on on how to do that. But let's also move to 1 Samuel 15 because I want to set up, this is in a sense a good picture uh, biblically of what I'm talking about in terms of authority. King Saul was the king at the time in Israel and he, uh, he had an obedience problem. Flat out, God would give him an order, and he'd partially do it. How many of you understand that partial obedience is disobedience? If I tell my, my daughter to clean the room, and I give her seven things to do, I probably wouldn't because she's seven years old. I'd give her one or two things to do because I'm going to set her up for success. But uh, the one or two things that I ask her to do, if she comes in, hey, daddy, it looks so good today. And I look at that, and I said, what about that? What happens if I don't deal with that? She'll take a little more. She'll take a little more. Are you getting the picture? So uh, God is establishing Saul. This isn't, this, isn't, this isn't good. To the point where Saul lost his 
kingdomship. Now, I want you to understand that God deals with authority, but sometimes authority, remember, it, not all authority is godly. In, in, it, it takes time sometimes because God is patient. God was patient with Saul, but boom. Stripped of his kingdom authority. God dealt with him. And he rises up David. He raises up David. But I want to I go back to this here. 1 Samuel 15. I want to read this verse. Because this is something we need to get in here. 1 Samuel 15 verse 22 says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. Verse 23, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You know what witchcraft is all about? Control trying to control and manipulate people, trying to control your circumstances to want to run the show. Now you say, well, so you're telling me when I dishonor authority, I'm operating in witchcraft? Hello? Did he just say that? Operating? Did I just say that when you dishonor authority, you're operating in witchcraft? Can I get an amen? amen. This is truth. Well, you say, well, I'm not doing incantations. Let me tell you, God takes authority very seriously. It's not what the abuser does to you. It's how you react to the abuser. This is a key point. And you're responsible for your side of the street. Now, here's a biblical picture. So David, David's risen up. God uh, anoints him. He's going to be king. He knows he's going to be king. And don't you think that he felt the temptation that he's like, ah, the keys to the Cadillac are mine now. I'm going to take it. But what did he do? He honored the king. He honored the king even when Saul was jealous and wanted to kill him and was breathing murderous threats. And David honors him. He doesn't kill him. He runs. He doesn't stay for the abuse. He takes a stand, but he doesn't dishonor Saul. So he was honorable when Saul wasn't. Now, it is to say that there are times for civil disobedience. This church would be one of them. If they ever say in the United States of America, that we can't preach Jesus, we're going to break that law. If they ever say that the rights of the unborn, if they ever threaten execution for standing up for the rights of the unborn, I guess I'll be in heaven. We have to take a stand against laws of God, laws of, the laws of men. When the laws of men come against the laws of God, the laws of God trump every time. Every time. We don't make exception to that. That said, we need to be polite in our disobedience. There's a way to say this will not stand. We don't have to be militant. We can, in a godly, prayerful way, get the point across. Now you say, well, Ryan, you talk about the vision for capturing the city. When the godly are in power, when God gets the leaders of the city, he gets the city. When God gets the leaders of the state, he gets the state. And when God gets the leaders of the nation... He gets the nation. And, and, and it's a process oftentimes. But uh, going back to David, David was awesome in how he honored the king, even though the king breathed murderous threats. And in the end, God dealt with Saul. The Philistines took Saul out. David didn't. Key point. I want to challenge you that there are going to be temptations every step of the way. You're going to be promised something. God deposits something in your heart. You will face this test when you are under authority and you actually have an idea. You know it's good. You know it's the right thing. God even deposited you. But how you handle that with that authority will determine your destiny. How you handle that will be your next promotion or your next demotion in the kingdom and in life. Does that make sense? How you handle it. Very, very important. Very, very important. Now, all throughout Scripture, we see a picture. We see a picture 
of authority. And, and I think that uh, when, we, when we look at authority, there's a price to pay for obedience at times. Our egos don't always like to be corrected. I mean, can we be real? I don't always like to be corrected. But I will tell you, in the last two years, I'm, under, I'm a man who is under authority. I have uh, Grace International, who's our covering, and I also have the Reverend Arnie Jacobson, who, by the way, is preaching in uh, Dale Oakwich Church. I believe out in, it's not, not Oregon anymore, is it? California. California, that's right, California. And let me just tell you, uh, Pastor Arnie, you, you saw that, that thing of Star and Lombardi? You got the picture? Not up here. <laughs> Coach, can we go to the office, please? <laughs> Hello? And let me just tell you, he's lit me up. Now, how do I respond to that? You know, oh, I guess he doesn't love me. Well, I think I'll just open my house and tell my wife because I don't know. I just feel like no one loves me. No, I rise up. I say, thank you, sir. May I have another and another? (laughs) But, you know, again, how Pastor Arnie addresses me, if he's abusive and he's not, but if he was, I can take the truth. Even if it's not spoken in love, I still take the truth. I'm responsible for how I respond to it. Amen. And there's promise of protection under authority. So, for instance, in in, in a case where I I may be heading off in a ditch with this church, if Arnie says, Ryan, you're not doing that, I'll say, yes, sir. Now, he's given me the keys to this church, but if it's outside the auspices of, of, of his authority, if he says no, I say, yes, sir. There's promise of protection under his authority, under the Lord's authority. I honor him. Now, Mark chapter six, this is a key part about honoring. Mark chapter 6, I want you to go there, and we're going to start with verse 1. It says, Jesus left the part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. He was going to his hometown. This is very important. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and power to perform such miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James. Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. You see, the problem is, is with our authority figures is oftentimes we see their warts and then we treat them as commonplace. And as you get to know me, you may see my warts. And I'm not up here to say, you know, drink the Kool-Aid and everything that I say is gospel because you know what? I'm human. But what I am asking you to do, if you want to live the blessed life, esteem your pastor's. Esteem those who, not that I'm better than you, are you getting this? But there's a spiritual authority there. There's a promise of protection. If you listen and heed these words, and if you can't, you probably shouldn't come here. Did you hear what I said? If you can't heed what I'm saying, if it, if it sounds, and, and, and that is not to say, okay, is it ever wrong to leave a church? No, it is not wrong to leave a church. If our vision for doing church does not match your vision, you have every right under the Lord to leave and go to another place. Does that make sense? And in fact, I want you to, <laughs> because here's the thing, you'll make my life miserable and I'll make your life miserable. And we don't want that. Now I'm not trying to be mean. Okay. I want everybody to come. Are you getting this? But I just, I just want you guys to understand that your, my ability to reach you with the word is predicated on your ability to honor the office I stand in. Huge. Uh, and and, and, and uh, let me give you another example. I went to Mexico. They don't know me from Adam. 
Why is it I could preach there for two hours and they listen and hinge on every word that I was saying? I'm nobody special. I'm just Ryan Kibbe, former sportscaster guy. But you know what? The miracles that happen when they esteem the word. Imagine a culture here that did the same. But they look at the preacher and go, well, I heard such and such about, do you understand? We need to break that spirit of distrust. Now, I'm not saying that pastors haven't earned the badge at times. Because they have. There's been some egregious things. But if you don't learn to trust the word, it's only going to hurt you. We have to trust the word. I'm just the messenger, guys. That's the way I view it. So here we are. Jesus is doing ridiculously cool things in that town all over. But he gets to Nazareth, nothing. Now watch this, verse 4. Jesus told him, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Key part here. And because of their unbelief, He couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Notice it doesn't say wouldn't do. It said couldn't do. It didn't say wouldn't do because Jesus was moved with compassion. He wanted to heal everybody. It says he couldn't do. Just a few. Folks, this is the church today. This is the church. Maybe a few healings here. A few. You know why? Lord, Lord, hit me with this because we don't honor authority. We're not undercover. And, you know, has that teaching been abused in circles? Sure it has. Uh, In fact, you should question your pastor what he's saying. In fact, don't take my word for it. Read your your Bible. That's a message people need to hear in this town. Read your Bible. Measure what I'm saying with what the word says. If what I'm saying doesn't measure up, throw it out. Toss it out. That's that's the bottom line. And, and if I'm off, then I'm off and God will deal with me. And by the way, pastors do have people and should have people that correct them. And if I'm off track, uh, we don't need, there are people assigned to my life that will help me get out of the ditch. Uh, but in every church, there's someone who feels it's their moral obligation under the Lord to be their pastor's corrector. I mean, it's like a birthright, you know, <laughs> Hello. Now, I want you, if you have an issue, we talked about last week, Matthew 18. Hey, let's talk. I'm not going to, I mean, I'll listen. We'll come to reason. But if I don't do what you say, then you have to deal with it. If it's a moral issue, then I need to deal with it. Does that make sense? There is a promise of protection. And now here's what Jesus says in Matthew 10. I'm going to read this real fast. It says, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. You know, the Bible says in 1 Timothy, I didn't say it. 1 Timothy said it. There's double honor when you honor your pastors. They deserve double honor. Now, I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm saying that there's honor that needs to be bestowed because why? We take the bullets for you. Hello. We take, we're on the wall. I've got people that are being used by the enemy that want to take us down. Hello? Now, I'm not saying the average church. I'm just saying when you stand in the office, it's not all glamour. It's not all just Sundays and preaching and a nice feel-good work. Sometimes we're in the muck, man, dealing with things that you have no idea what we deal with. I'm telling you, I've talked to other pastors in this town. I have such a heart, a heart for other pastors. They are not my competition. They're my brothers in Christ. And... And they deserve your respect. They deserve better. This town, the pastors, these are the watchmen on the wall. They deserve your respect. 
We need to knock that stuff off and go to them. They deserve that honor. So what I'm saying, I'm not saying you have to drink the Kool-Aid. What I'm saying is vet it with the word of God and treat your pastors with honor. We make tough decisions. They're not always perfect in a vacuum, but we do the best we can. We try to hear the Lord. Now, when it comes to civic, civic authorities too, if you come up every time a policeman stops you to give you a ticket, you, I better hear out of your words, sorry, sir, yes, sir, what did I do wrong, sir? I don't think you need to say in smart mouth to them and say, don't you have other things you could be doing besides giving me a ticket? You know how I got that line? Because I used that once. <laughs> Back in the BC days. <laughs> Little smart mouth. <laughs> no one else in here has done that, I'm sure. I'm sure. No, it's okay to question pastoral authority. It's okay to question authority. It's how we question and how we deal with authority that matters. Now, here's the last thing I want to hit on. And I'm going, to, I'm going to close with this story on Jesus and the centurion, why this matters so much. Matthew 8 says it to this in verse 5. Matthew 8, verse 5. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home, paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Whew. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me i tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes and i say to my servant do this and he does it when jesus heard this he was amazed you want to amaze your lord get under authority and he said to those following him truly i tell you i have not found anyone in israel with such great faith what's interesting is authority and great faith seem to be synonymous. People say, increase my faith. I'd say, get under cover. Get under authority and watch your faith increase because God will honor his word. And here's the kicker. Jesus Christ, man under authority. I only do what my father tells me to do. I only see and do what my father says to do. Apart from my father, I can do. He's under authority. And he shook the world. He was fully God. But he played by the rules of man because he was fully God and he was fully man. So if that's our example, that's the person, that's our Lord who we should follow and serve. Then verse 13, Matthew 8, Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. You want healing? Get under authority. Get under authority. Replace the mistrust. People will let you down. You will get burned. It's how you deal with that. Because what you're saying is, God, I can't fix that guy, but I know you can deal with that guy. And if I stay undercover, you're going to fix that situation. In the end, when the chips are, even when the chips are down, even when it looks like God's completely absent, he will honor his word. Heads bowed, eyes closed. The number one thing, the, the, the ultimate authority is the Lord. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the name above all names. He is the final answer. He is the word. He is the final word. And Jesus Christ is the only way to redemption to the Father. And if we're under his protection, not only is salvation a guarantee when we're his kids, but also you have a relationship here and now. And the blessings of God not are only for heaven, but also for here today. 
God loves his kids. It's about time you become one if you're not one. Because all, all, all of us, are our creator, we are all God's kids. He created us, but not all of them know Jesus. You want to be a son of God, you've got to know Jesus. It's not about following the Bible, not about the rules. Uh, we'll always break a few. It's good to follow the rules, but we're, we're not perfect. That's why Jesus had to die for our sin. Now, here's the question, first and foremost. The Bible says you have to be born again. Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And if you're not sure, if you're not right with God, what I mean by that is you're not in right standing. It means that, that you have not said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Or maybe you have, and you need to reconnect. You know you're not under authority properly. If you're not, raise your hand right now. All across this room, wow. number of you. Okay. Let's say this prayer because, and let's not say it wrote, every time I say this prayer, gratitude and compassion just flood me for what he's done. He paid a significant price for our redemption. Say, Father in heaven, I receive your forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus, for your awesome grace. I love you and I honor you from this day forward. And in God's power, I consider it done. Last thing I want to challenge you to do. I've got some questions I'm going to ask you right now. Number one, and I want, by the way, I want eyes up, no eyes closed. I want you, this, this is going to take some guts, but I'm going to challenge you to do it. Number one, do you consistently provoke your boss with everyone looking, raise your hand? Thank you for your honesty. Number two, bosses, do you exasperate your employees? Would you admit you have a problem here. Are you like Lombardi was and you're doing, you're, you're dressing people down. You have the guts to tell it before everybody. Anybody in here? Anybody have a, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. Number three, do you do just enough to get by? Are you not honoring your workplace? Are you not giving God your best in your workplace? Wow. Honesty. Number four, God's authority. Do you lightly esteem the ministry? Do you have a latent distrust for pastors? Have the guts to raise your hand. I'm not going to beat you up. Come on. Okay. There's one honest person in here. Have you compromised morals out of fear of authority? Okay. Do you expect the worst in pastors, in cops, in civic authorities, raise your hand. Do you poor mouth the person, attack the person in authority, not the issue? Meaning, meaning you say stuff about our president, and while this particular pastor fundamentally disagrees with our president on a number of issues, do I make jokes about his name inappropriately? That's dishonoring to his office, even though personally, I don't like his policies. See, that's proper. I can say that. What I can't say is that, you see what I'm saying? I can't take a shot at this. I won't do that. That's not right. And you know what? God dealt with me on that. I mean, I want to be blessed. Does it, you guys want to be blessed? I want to be blessed. I think I'm running out of questions. I don't want anybody to hide. All right, if you have, bottom line, you got a major authority issue, raise your hand right now. Wow. Okay. 
Now here's what I want you to do. We're gonna, now you may bow your heads. Now here's what I want you to do. I want to break that spirit right now. In the name of Jesus. Father, this is your word. And I expect, Lord, that you will show up with signs and wonders following in their lives. They've committed. They've admitted and confessed before men. No hiding. They've admitted their issue. It is my expectation, Lord, because of what your word says, I stand on your word, that you will honor that. You will honor them because they honored you and your word. And they will honor authority. And, Lord, my expectation of you, because I can stand on your word, is that you will fulfill your word. And bless them for the decision that they've just made. Father, give them the the power. Holy Spirit, touch them to help walk in this power. Father, help me to walk in this power. Lord, every one of us face those temptations. But you say that in your word that you will give us power to overcome. I stand on that in Jesus' name. Amen.